And so um, this, is, this is something that I want to talk about today. I got started last week, and, and I felt like I just kind of dumped a whole bunch of stuff last week, and I want to go and dig in just a little bit deeper today because I think, um, I think this is really applicable to us in, in areas of our life. I know this is, gonna, this is helping me already, but, but God has a way for us to be his response to things that are happening to us, happening to us in the world. And his response is not just passive. Right. And it's not just defensive. <laughs> it's, it's actually very active. And, and his response to something is take no quarter, don't, don't, no holds barred. We're, we're, we're taking the enemy out completely. Yeah. And I'm liking this because what it helps me to understand is that this enemy that we have is nothing compared to, to what we have. But we have, to, we have to take up our place and we have to take up our weapons and do things. And so, so I, I'm going to speak to this today and, and um, has to do with uh, being overwhelmed. This is kind of the feeling that's going on right now. There's a, lot of, there's, there's a feeling of, wow, what do we do? And that's that's the sense of being overwhelmed. Actually, there's a there there's an association of being submerged in being overwhelmed. It's kind of like you're completely submerged in something. And so we saw this last week that the, the God's response to us being overwhelmed is He overwhelms in an overwhelming way. <laughs> Says if you're going to touch me, you're going to find out what overwhelming is. Because God, he complete, he says, he, he, he's, it's like when the enemy comes in, when the enemy comes in, and what happens when the enemy comes in? We, we feel like we're overwhelmed. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And then it says, but the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. And, 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 and then he comes like a rushing water. And what the water does is it just completely overwhelms. You know, you can have, you can have a, a, a great, defense system and if it gets covered up with water it's just you know it's nothing and and so so we're going to look at this this a little bit more today and we're going to look at a specific part of this so let's, let's what i want to call this today is is overwhelming righteousness now last week and i welcome you to go back and look in the in the church app we have the notes from every week or I try to get, get them in there every week. There's a nice little article at the front of it, you know, kind of gives you a synopsis of what this is about. Um, and, and last week, uh, we, we looked at, at five different uh, Ps, uh, purity, uh, partnership, power, prayer, and proclamation. And we're going to kind of go through those as, as part of God's response so what, and we're going to see this today, that, that God doesn't have the same kind of response as we would. And thankfully, we can do things in the natural. We do need to have a voice. But God wants to speak to, to particular parts of our life, and, and he has a response. And it's not going to be something that we have to feel like we're, we just can't wait till Jesus comes or till I die so we can get off this earth, you know. <laughs> but we're supposed to be victorious on this earth. And how we do that is with an attitude of, you better not touch my stuff or else. <laughs> right? Because we've been given weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
So what I want to look at today, and, and, and it'll go to this first P that we looked at. It has to do with purity. And this isn't just going to be like a, a prudish thing. This is the, the need for being right. And it's something that we are... I was thinking about it this way. When, when, when an enemy comes at you, he's always looking for an area of vulnerability, right? He wants to find something that he can, he can get in and he can make it, he can, he can blow stuff up. Right? That's what, he's, that's what weapons are for, is to blow stuff up, right? And so in each one of us, there is this very much vulnerability of guilt, of shame. Now, we're going to look at this because it's not, just, it's not just sins that we've done. It's actually sins that have been done against us. Or even being in a, in a sense of being independent of God or, or being into to a position of being uh, prideful. What it does is, is it does something to our conscience. And it causes us to not have confidence towards God. And so there's a need for us to find out how to develop a sense of what's already been provided for us in Christ, and it's righteousness. But this righteousness, what it will do for us is cause us to have a response to things in our life. Each one of us has, has to deal with this. Something that we've done, something that's been done against us that causes us to feel rejected. You know, I th sometimes we, we think somebody's thinking something and it causes us to feel less about ourselves. Anything that causes us to feel not right in ourself in any way, it's a stronghold and it's a vulnerability to the, the uh, attack of the enemy. And any other thing that we're going to get victory on is going to start in this. And this is why Jesus was sent is to help us with an identity of condemnation. Okay? So this is going to be really good. Are, are you ready? I kind of gave you a little bit ahead of time. We're going to go back through this a little bit. But So there needs to be a steady vigilance against a prowling enemy. We, it's like I said, the reason why America is the way we are today is because we've had an enemy coming against us every day in the realm of ideology, some of this stuff that's, that's commonly accepted today would have been completely rejected. <laughs> Not very long ago. <laughs> but what's, what's been happening is we haven't been vigilant. You know, I heard somebody say that we, we, we've got a men's group that we're looking at authentic manhood. I encourage you. We're going to start again in October. We're going to go into the next uh, volume. But it's been good, hasn't it? It's good just to get together and encourage each other and actually ask God to help us be the men we're supposed to be because a big part of the enemy's attack has been against the identity in men to stand up and say, no, you're not going to do this in our world. Right? So there, there needs to be this understanding, though, that you know a lot of times life is happening to us and we just accept it. Or we just are hurt by it. You know, I, I've gone through some stuff in my life. And, and um, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear you whining about what's happening in your life. Have you ever noticed that? And, and really, it's not good for you to go on about it. But I've been through some stuff in my life before. And I said, you know what? When you got arrows poking out of you, you just can't help but whine, you know? 
<laughs> right? But there needs to be an understanding of where this is coming from. And for you to have a response that's going to not just be somebody that's just trying to get by. But somebody that's dominant. Yes. That's going to destroy the enemy. Okay. Amen? So, this is actually a God way. If we're going to have a God response, it's not going to be passive. It's not going to be <laughs> silly. It's going to, and it's not going to be about just somehow God keep this hedge about me. This hedge of protection. That the, that the enemy can't get his hedge trimmers out and cut down. Right? No, we're supposed to be the ones. So, remember there's, there was a... Uh, I was thinking about this... There was a football coach, uh, Vince Lombardi. Anybody remember Vince Lombardi? And he said something that was quoted, but it was, it's actually a really a common thing even in war is the best defense is a what? Offense, right? So, the, and, and you know, Vince, he, he got quoted, but, but really this came from God. That's what Jesus is all about. He didn't come to just uh, coexist. He came to destroy, to destroy, to wipe out. This is God's, this is what he does to his enemies. Now, I know this doesn't sound very nice. This isn't a very nice <laughs> approach today, but it's necessary because I do not want to coexist with rats in my house. Or scorpions or snakes. No, it's not about being nice to things. It's about destroying them because they don't deserve to live in my realm. Right? So how do we do this, right? First Peter 5, 6 through 9. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in his good time, he will lift you up. So what's happening that, that we're, when you humble yourself before what God says, that, that you, you say, what God says is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to put my own interpretation on it. I'm going to do what God says to do. Right. And so many of the times, we are led by what we're going through. We're, we're having a struggle. Sure. We're having something. And so we even decide our theology based on whether or not, which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And I'm so thankful that circumstances don't dictate who God is. And just because I know somebody that's having an identity problem and can't figure out who they are, doesn't mean that God's changed with the way he's made creation. Right? So, let him have all your worries and cares. For he is always thinking about you. And watching everything that concerns you. You think you're going through something. He said, humble yourself before me. Cast those cares upon him. And he'll care for you. All right, this is a different translation, isn't it? That our comfortable King James. Aren't you glad we don't have the, these in the thousand here? Be careful. Watch. Okay, so we're coming from this. Humbling yourself before God. Right? And casting all your cares upon him. But this isn't just so that you can sit back and think you got it made with some Kool-Aid. I'm sorry, that just came out. But, but we're, we're supposed to, when we're humbling ourselves before God, casting cares upon him, we become vigilant. 
We recognize that we have an enemy. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for an opportunity, a vulnerability where he can come in and have his way. For some victim to tear apart. That's how he wants to overwhelm. He wants to make you so afraid of this that you'll poke anything in your arm. You'll do whatever, you know. I'm sorry, I just went there. Okay. Um, Stand, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to stand firm, right? When he attacks. Now, what I like about this, it's kind of like that standard. When we stand, we're not just standing there saying, Stay back, stay back, stay back. No, our stance is an offensive stance. Amen? Trust the Lord and remember that other Christians all around the world are going through these sufferings too. Why do we even think about that? Because one of the biggest uh, threats of the enemy, strategies of the enemy is to make you think that you're going through something special. You got a special case. And it's so common this is why God, you know what? God really isn't impressed with sin. He's not impressed with how, how deeply bound we are. He's not impressed by those things. He's already taken care of them. He just wants you to get with him. This is kind of what we're going to see here today, okay? As God's, as God's chosen in Christ, administer his response, which is utterly destroy. Okay, so I, I want to just go back to the Old Testament real quick. All right, are you all good this morning? Yes. This is good. All right, we'll have some tools to use, all right? Deuteronomy 7. So this is just an example of God's response. You can see this all through the Old Testament especially. Man, it's, it, it's pretty graphic in the Old Testament when you see a God response. <laughs> Man, our, our, our heroes, Abraham, Moses. Did you know Moses, Moses just slew a whole bunch of people that were in rebellion to God? You know? And David, man, you got to be careful reading some of that stuff. Don't read it right before you go to bed, right? (laughs) When the Lord, your God, listen to this part. When the Lord, your God, brings you into the land which you go to possess. And I saw a correlation to this, to being what we've been brought into in Christ. God's brought us into a new kingdom, hasn't he? It's a kingdom of light. But look at what what he says here. He doesn't just say that God's going to do everything for you. He says that you need to do something. When God brings you into this land to possess and has cast out many nations before you, he's he's doing something. But then he says, all these people, you know, I don't want to get into all the stalactites here. Um, But uh, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, what are you supposed to do? You shall conquer them and do what? Utterly destroy them. Why was God that way? And if you keep reading on down, you shall make no covenant with them or, nor show mercy to them. He said, you don't even, you don't be nice to them even. And he goes down a little bit further and it's a God attitude. Now, now we need to love, we need to love people in the world. We need to be in the world, not of it, yeah. Right? Because that's how Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to be seen to the world is through us. But when it comes to the enemy, we don't mess around with him at all. 
We don't give him a place in our house and say that this is my night to flesh out with the devil. You know, I'll just watch whatever I want to this night. Or I just want, uh, nobody's around. I, I, can, I can get on Facebook and, and chew, chew up and spit somebody out on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? No, he says, you don't do any of this. Why? It's because when you fellowship, and, and if you read down further in, in these verses, it says, if, if your young men are going to be with the women of these other nations, it's going to turn their hearts from me. So it becomes very necessary to not, to, to be, it, to be uncompromising when it comes to who our God is. Because when you start to do some other things, and this is where purity becomes very wonderful and holiness becomes very beautiful because what it is, is it's giving God residence in your life. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to live inside of us? <laughs> you know what? He doesn't live where there's other stuff going on. I mean, he doesn't, his residence isn't really experienced when there's all those rats and scorpions and all those other kinds of things that we're Making our little pets, right? Okay. Okay, I'm not done here. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter to your son. Okay, and then it goes on and says, because if you do, your heart will be turned. This is why God was so uncompromising, especially in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's this grace that, that now, when we, we don't even look at people the same way. Even in the world, we see them as potential children of God. Actually, already... God, Jesus has already given his life for them. Amen? So our, our God response of destruction, it's not flesh and blood, but it's thoughts now that bind in unrighteousness. So we are supposed to have that same kind of attitude. We're not supposed to get our uh, nine millimeters out and go looking for somebody that doesn't look nice. We're, spo we're supposed to, because it's not flesh and blood anymore. But we are supposed to have this uncompromising attitude that no, no, I'm not putting up with this stuff. Yeah. Amen? Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not carrying on warfare according to the flesh using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Okay, I'm using the Amplified version just because I was in the spirit when I was thinking about Angela ahead of time. Okay. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction. Don't you like that approach? Yeah. Amen? Our weapons are mighty through God to the overthrow and not incorporation into our community, but destruction. You know, God wants us to get involved with his response to stuff going on in our life. And it's not going to be nice. Come on. Amen? Yeah. I'm telling you, this will help you. It really will. Okay. And we'll, we'll see. Inasmuch as we refute arguments. So this is what our weapons are about now. It's about things in our mind. <laughs> Everything that's happening in, in our nation today that's destructive has to do with things that are being said. And if you just say something enough, supposedly it'll turn into true. Yeah. And it doesn't. No. It doesn't. 
Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings in every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. We go to battle. I'm telling you what, this is, this is what I really want us to challenge you with today. Is if there is any care, if there is any worry, if there's anything that's going on in your life today that's causing you to feel unsettled, in fear, anxious, it's in the realm of your mind. And it's not just, it's not just you taking a scripture and trying to say it enough like somehow I hope this is going to work. But no, it's you getting, knowing who you are and taking authority over that thing and saying, you're coming down. All right. (laughs) All right, there's another verse here. All right. And we lead. I like this part. We lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. What do we do? We, we, We overthrow them. We destroy them. And then we lead them captive. No, they don't get to have their way anymore. We totally destroy them. Right? Okay, so the enemy's greatest threat is our identity. This is where all of us are vulnerable, okay? He uses thoughts as weapons. Okay, I just want to point out four of them here that are, that are going to relate to our identity that I really believe God wants to help us with, okay? There are our own failures. This can be sin. It can be something we tried and failed at doing, and so now we don't feel like we can do stuff. We lose our confidence. Did you know that these are threats of the enemy? Because they cause you to withdraw and not do what what you're capable of doing. Others' failures against us. What is that? That's offense, isn't it? And you know what? That hurts you more than it hurts them. And it also is an attack of the enemy against your identity. It makes you feel less than you were. Right. Right? Okay. Okay. Here's a couple more. Assumption of independence, which is pride. Right? I can do this on my own. And whether you know it or not, anybody know anybody like that? Some people that are just, it's uncomfortable to be around them because you just feel like you just don't measure up or something, you know. Did you know that their own heart is condemning them because they're going against the knowledge of God? God resists the proud. So, so it can just be, be just as bad as a failure in your life for you to think that you did everything on your own. And then doubting God's promise. I saw this, you know what? what and we all are challenged with this because we have promises from God that if we truly believe them, we'd be walking in them. But somehow we have something happen in our life that causes us to, to doubt them for some reason. And what it actually does is it causes our own heart to condemn us in this. So this is part of the enemy strategy. These are the thoughts that the, that the prowling lion is trying to inflict upon us. He's trying to say, okay, and, and again, this is the foundation upon everything else. And this is what Jesus came to give us authority over. It's an identity. It has to do with being right. This is very precious, very precious. His thoughts of accusation, they're intended to overwhelm with condemnation. That's what the enemy's wanting to do. He's, he's you know, even in this, this last couple of years, what has been put upon people, they make you, there's this in, uh, imposition of you don't care unless you do this. Yeah. There's this infliction of condemnation. 
that has caused people to, to submit to whatever's being told. You see that? But this is what the enemy wants to do all the time. He wants to inflict some kind of accusation that is meant to overwhelm you and feel like you can't get above water to do anything in that realm. This can be, this can be a, 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 a stronghold in your flesh. It can be gifts that God has given you that you just you shut down from because you feel disappointed. It can be relationship things where you've, you've been rejected. But all of these things are what, what the enemy uses. He comes in and he says, I'm going to use that to keep you from feeling what Jesus has actually accomplished for you. And it's, it, it defeats us. Okay. Now, there's other, again, there's other things for us to go to from this. But this is where it has to start. You don't even believe in God until you believe what he's done for you. Until your own identity is being transformed. Until it's no longer you that's living, but it's Christ in you. And we can, we can just quote that, but what does it really mean? It means that if Christ lives in you, you have no foe that can even begin to stand up against you. Amen? God's overwhelming response to unrighteousness, and this is wonderful. What God's overwhelming response to unrighteousness is grace. <laughs> what is grace? That's an identity that has nothing to do with the, what you did right or what you did wrong. Isn't that cool? Now, this takes some revelation because we are so ensconced in what we've done right or what we've done wrong. And that's what, oh, the enemy, he just loves to poke us there. Right? But what does Jesus come along to do? And, and, and as much as we're getting bombarded with those things from in the thought realm that the enemies want to hit us with in these areas of vulnerability, we have to give time to what Jesus says about it. Yeah, Amen? Yeah. So Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, and I like this in this context, grace abounded how much more? Way more, right? This is a God response. Sin's abounding? Oh, we like to, we like to feel overwhelmed by some issue in our life. And God says, I've got a response for that that is overwhelming of sin. That's why God's not impressed with sin. He said, you give me some sin, I've got some grace. I've got some grace that will overwhelm that. What is it? And well, oh, let me just keep going. All right. So that as sin reigneth, reigned in death, even so grace might reign through what? Righteousness. What is death? That, that's a consequence of something that we've done wrong. And you know, you can die way before you take your last breath. And that's what the enemy is all about. He's wanting to shut down the life of God in us yes. in, in any way that he can. But grace has come to reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, I've got some great stuff here. Just stay awake with me. Keep salivating, all right? Our identity in Christ is overwhelming righteousness. I want us to get this, okay? Okay. 
What we have in the, in the righteousness of God, that means we've been made right. In spite of all those things that have been programmed into our brains. But there needs to be taking captive of those things. And God gives that to us as a participation with him. He's already defeated. He's already brought us in the, into the kingdom of light. But he says, now I need you to destroy. I need you to take authority. Okay? And we'll, we'll get some, we'll get a way of doing this today. And, and let's, let's utilize what God gives us. Amen? But this is not... <laughs> She's going to talk for four weeks on the Constitution. I get to talk to y'all for, all right. <laughs> we won't talk about it. I'm trying here, okay? I'm trying. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be what? Sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there's this reality that everything that the enemy would want to attack us with in our identity that would cause us to feel less, to cause us to feel unable, to cause us to feel guilty and shameful. He took all that on him so that we can actually begin to be who we identify with. Amen? All right. Let me keep going. Truth about you, your overwhelming weapon against the, the, uh, the accuser. So here's, here's our weapon. The enemy comes. He wants to attack our identity. And just like I, I believe the answer for America today is the truth. I hate it, though, when people, you know, when politicians get on there and they say, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But they don't go, they don't get the part that makes that possible. You'll obey the word and you'll follow after Christ and then you'll know the truth. You don't know the truth by listening to squeaky politicians, right? No, you know it from the word of God. So this, this is our power though. This is our, this is our God response and, it, and, it's, and it's for each one of us. This is our God response to these threats of the enemy against our minds. And what is it? It's the truth about who we are. But you got to know who you are. And then you have to actually use it like a weapon. It's no good to have a nine millimeter and not be able to even know where it is. When that scoundrel's trying to get through your front window. Okay. Colossians 2.9. For in Christ, this is going to be good. I'm going to, this is, man, this, this is one of the most wonderful paintings of who we are with, re, with relation to an identity in Christ and how much it's complete. Oh, God help us to see this. Amen. For in Christ, there is all of God in a human body. Now, <laughs> What did Jesus come to do? He didn't come to just be the son of God. He, became, he came to be a man and show us what we can be. Yeah, that's true. Everything that Jesus came to be, and this is why it's wonderful. I just want to say this real quick while, while we're seeing this. It says, for Christ is all of God in a human body, and that's what he wants for us to be. 
our identity to change from me just being this person from wherever it is in the country that we were born and grown up and we, we have these kind of ancestors and so this is how we act because we're Italian or we're whatever we are. I'm German, so uh, anyway. So you have everything when you have Christ. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. <laughs> when you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires. <laughs> you might be saying, but why are they still there? Well, that's because you just don't know yet. And you haven't taken authority. And you haven't, you haven't mounted an overwhelming response to these things. I'm telling you what, there's answers here for any stronghold that we have in our life. Because this is the truth. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires. Now, you can go back and have them anyway if you want. But he set you free from them. Not by a bodily operation of circumcision, but by a spiritual operation. The baptism of your souls. For in baptism, what is that? You, you, everything dies and you come back to life, right? For in baptism, you see how your old evil nature died with him and was buried with him. And then you came up out of death with him into a new life. Actually, that's one of our verses for New Life Church, right? Raised to new life. Because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in sins. And your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ. For he forgave all your sins. And blotted out all the charges proved against you. The list of his commandments which you have had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. And you can say, well, that's just all those Ten Commandments. No, it's anything that's a weight of guilt in your life. And I want us to, man, let's get this down. Anything that's, that's causing you oppression, that's, that's an identity that Jesus came to take. And he did already. If we've received him as our Lord, this is what we have. This is the truth that will set you free. <laughs> In this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin, and God openly displayed to the whole world. Listen to this. God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross. What did he do? He completely destroyed the power of sin in our lives, where your sins were all taken away. Now, I know, I know we've heard this, but man, let's say God show this to me in a, in a clear way because we have to get involved in having an attitude of response to this. This is who we really are. Now, I know we have, we've had, we have things that have happened to us in our life, but the power of God is greater than anything we've experienced. Any, any, reason we have to be downcast at all. <laughs> That's like David said, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. We can, say, we can sing, tis so sweet to trust in you. 
Until you're identifying with what Jesus did to change your identity, you're not really trusting in him. Because you're waiting for him to show up somehow. And he's not going to show up any differently than he already has to conquer those things that you're up against. And he said, I've already conquered them. Now I just need you to see that you are slap dab in the middle of my victory. And you have to stand up and take authority yourself. God demonstrated love. Our continual and progressive access. So this is what I want to encourage you with. What the enemy does against us <laughs> is he, he wants us to feel like somehow God slips away from us, gets further away from us when we do something wrong. And God never changes his position towards us. In fact, the sooner we can run back, the sooner we can get back in that position. And right after we've... we've trespassed, we at that moment have an opportunity for a God response that says, no, that's not who I am. Satan, you're not going to put that identity on me. I have something to say to you. I have, I've been completely set free from that. Jesus came and took all of the things I could be oppressed with. So I'm not going to let you put that in my mind at all. In fact, I'm going to replace it with what the word says about me. Amen? For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, sometimes when we look at that, we want to say, before I came to the altar and gave my life to Jesus... Jesus, he took all those sins before that. But now, uh, any sin that I still do, what about that? You know what? It doesn't change. Any sins before us, any sins after. You know what what the difference is? Is when you no longer identify with that thing and you don't say, well, this is my problem. And this is my, you don't, it's not your baby anymore. And you say, no, that's not who I am. That's not my stronghold. That's not something that is mine. I've been made righteous in Christ. And you know what happens when you declare that? That lion, all his teeth fall out. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like he, he just lost all his ability to do anything to you because you've just put him in his place and you've destroyed Jesus already did that for you. You're already righteous, but you have to get involved and say, no, that's not me anymore. Amen? And so while we were yet sinners, now that that means when we transgress now, our own heart's going to condemn us, but we deal with that because what the enemy wants to do is slap a label on us and say that's who we are. And we do not take that. No, no, no. We go back to the word of God and we say, "I, I, you know, I just looked like a, a hoodlum, but that's not who I am. I'm in Christ. Amen? And the sooner you begin to to take authority and and give the enemy a response, (laughs) the sooner you're going to be in America that's not just folding before all this nonsense. You see the correlation, right? Okay. All right. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, what I like about this is, you know what? Jesus is alive right now. He really is. You know, sometimes I think we need revelation of that. He's working for us even right now. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. You know what interceding means? That means he's getting in that space between and he's making it possible for you to be near. He's passionate about us right now. Whatever state we're in, he's saying, oh, if they could only just see what I've done for them. If they could, just, if they could begin to be that, that response that I am. Jesus isn't going to come and hang on the cross anymore. He's not going to do anything else for us. He's already done it. We just have to be, be warriors. And I like it. We become more than conquerors, don't we? Okay. All right. I've got some more. Are y'all, y'all are doing so great. I can see your eyeballs and everything. They're not covered over by your eyelids yet. <laughs> for every... For overwhelming of our identity, the greater weapon of unfazed love. This is God's response. When we're feeling overwhelmed, there's a greater weapon that is unfazed love. God is never impressed by something that looks ugly to us. His love just keeps pressing towards us. Now, some people have a problem with that reckless love song. Boy, if you've ever applied this part of God, this is how he is. He just loves in spite of us. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? But it's not enough just for us to just bask in the wonder of his love. No, we, can't, we, we have to be affected by his love. To stand up. Oh, that was terrible. To stand up and, and, and be what his love has purchased for us. Amen? So Romans 8, 34. Who is he who condemns? <laughs> Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn anybody. But I came to save. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He's not about condemning us at all. And if, as, as soon as we can get this understanding, that just like a child, I don't, I, you know, I think there's some, some parents that maybe aren't very good at this or something, but man... And maybe I've gotten better at this. This is my my first child, and I I might have developed some patience since my first child. But <laughs> but you want the best for them, no matter what. It doesn't matter what they do wrong. It doesn't matter what, how far what they do. No, you want the best for them. You're not ready to 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 say, okay, now you got to pay for it. No, you're you're wanting the best for them. And our father is a good father. Our heavenly father is the one that shows how it's supposed to be done. The more we look at him, we find out how to actually do it, right? And he's good, and he, and he loves us no matter what. And he continually sees us as righteous in Christ. Completely free of, of whatever's happened to us in our life. But we have to get involved and see that it's the enemy, like a roaring lion, trying to destroy us, and we take authority over it. Amen? So it's not God, it's not Jesus who condemns, right? He died for us. And he's making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are what? 
We are a God response. You think you're coming to conquer me? I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overwhelming God response. And what is that? That's an identity that cannot be taken from me as long as I don't give it up. The only way the enemy takes my righteousness is if I hand it to him. If I start speaking it myself. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities. Don't you like this? He just takes it to the, to the nth degree. Just, just hit me with all you got. You just wait and see what I got coming back to you. Right? Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature or created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, and this is it. Therefore, there is no condemnation. No judging guilty of wrong for those who are what? In Christ. Now, It doesn't do any good to be in Christ, though, if you're not taking the fight to the enemy from your position. We've been positioned in him not to just be withering uh, victims of the enemy's attacks. We've been positioned in him to be an overwhelming response to whatever comes against us, right? Who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Now, all of us are, are, are drawn away by our flesh in some way. But we have an opportunity to respond to the Spirit. So it's up to us. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and of death. You know what? This, is, this can be something that is your response when you're feeling like you're trapped, like you're overwhelmed. Your flesh is just taken over and you just can't even resist anymore. You, you come back at it and you say, no, the law of the spirit of life has freed me from you. And that's not me anymore. And you need to get some attitude in your voice like you're the, what is the, oh, um, Zach's not back there. I needed a military, like a general or something, you know. Oh, sergeant. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Gomer Pyle? <laughs> Yeah, you, you, need to, you need to be hollering out some orders, right? <laughs> For God has done what the law could not do. It's power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God condemned, condemned. Don't you like this? It starts with, and, and there is no condemnation for us. What does God come to do? He comes to condemn sin, not us. He's going to condemn its power in our life if we get involved with his response, okay? (laughs) He condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived of of his power over all who accepted the sacrifice. Man, are you liking this? Or is it just me? You're welcome to pipe up any old time if you want. So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Don't you like that? There's a a righteousness that is required, but in Christ, it can be fully met. Now, what I like about this is it has to be part of our response, though. Or we don't get to benefit from it. 
fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. We're these warriors, aren't we? More than overcomers. Our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. All right. Just a little bit more. All right. Man, I, I can just... I can just tell you're hungry for some more. The overwhelming response of God to our challenged identity is utter and complete salvation. When we got saved, when we made Jesus our Lord, that was just the beginning of salvation. And what are we? We have a part to play in it. We're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And what are we fearing and trembling? Not, we're not before the enemy, before our God. Right. Amen? Yeah. When you get in the presence of God, you get so impressed with how big he is, how awesome he is, that when you turn and look at the enemy, you're trembling in the presence of God, and you say, I have to have salvation, and I'm not going to succumb to this lie that you're giving me anymore. My salvation is taking me beyond you right now. Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is able also to save how? To the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Isn't that wonderful? Since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. So this is God's, this is Jesus' position towards us right now. He's saying, I am ever living to not just help you get your ticket into heaven, but for salvation to be your dominance through your whole life. We need saved from everything that the enemy's coming against us with. Amen? And it's already been provided for us in Christ. This will be, be an exercise in a God-overwhelming response, okay? And we've been doing this some don't you like being able to put the word of God in your mouth and speak some things these things are going to be what you need to be doing I'm talking about on on a throughout the day basis you know it's good to get God's word in your mouth and just to to meditate on his words but sometimes we have we have to get the revelation of who we are and from our own spirit there comes this response. When we're feeling overwhelmed by sin, when we're feeling overwhelmed by worry, we're feeling overwhelmed by anything, God rises up inside of us. And this is why we have to be full of the word. It's like I said, I, I just got a little bit of time with y'all that are here this morning. This, this stuff is, is life. Amen? And God wants us to be victorious in these areas. This touches all of our hearts. This is how we have faith towards God. In fact, you can't have faith towards any, for anything else from God until you believe what he's done for you. <laughs> until, you're, until you're living and walking in the righteousness that he's already given you, it's really hard to believe he'll raise somebody from the dead or even heal somebody. Right. That's good. Amen? That's good. But the more you get ensconced in this righteousness that you've been given in Christ... Yeah becomes a basis and a foundation that you can begin to believe God for anything because you see everything that's in an opposition to you as not just a thing of this world it's no longer flesh and blood it's a spiritual thing 
Hallelujah. So let's say these together. Um, and we'll say them a couple times each. But I encourage you to go back to the, to the, to the app. Pull this up. And, and let's, let's be putting God's word in our mouth. Especially when we get some truth from him like we're getting today. This, I'm telling you what, this is powerful. This will completely transform your life. <laughs> it really will. You'll find yourself being happy when you are sad. Why? Just because you put the God thought about who you are in your mind instead of the other. Let's say this together. God loves me so much that he gave me Jesus when I was in sin and far from serving him. Man, we got to know that, don't we? Let's say it again. God loves me so much that he gave me Jesus when I was in sin and far from serving him. His grace towards me is unmoved by anything, including my failures, others' thoughts towards me, and even my own doubts and disbelief. Oh, let's say it again. His grace towards me is unmoved by anything, including my failures, others' thoughts towards me, and even my own doubts and disbelief. Now, anytime... I'm encouraging you with this. Anytime you're feeling even challenged in your relationship with God, don't just let it ride. Say something like this. If you're not saying this exact same thing, say no, no, no. His grace towards me has never changed. God doesn't dislike you for anything. He doesn't love you any different based upon what you're doing. That's right. Amen. Amen. And his provision for you is unchanged. All right, this is a short one. We'll get this one real easy. In, in Christ, I am freed from any identity with condemnation. I'll say it again. In Christ, I am freed from any identity with condemnation. Now, I'm telling you, this needs to be a bullet in your mouth. Yes. <laughs> and, when some, and you might need to, you know, what was that, Sergeant Gomer Pyle? What was that guy's name? Anyway, Carter? Yeah, Sergeant, Sergeant Carter, yeah. You need to get a Sergeant Carter voice or something. You know, start, start talking to that thought in your mind and saying, no, I'm freed from any condemnation. Ask God to help you recognize what condemnation is because sometimes we get used, so used to hanging on to it that we don't even realize what it is. <laughs> but the more you start declaring some things like this, the more you'll recognize what they are and you have a, a, a mighty power in your mouth. You start declaring things, and your heart's going to say, finally, finally they're doing it. All right, this is a long one. I had to give you a break. All right. I recognize that any care, worry, frustration, or oppressive thought is an attack against my righteous standing in Christ. And I cast it upon him, allowing him to carry it carry it far from me. Boy, don't you like that? Let's say it with some attitude, okay? I recognize that any care, worry, frustration, or oppressive thought is an attack against my righteous standing in Christ. And I cast it upon him, allowing him to carry it far from me. Amen? <laughs> and then go, don't go back to petting your cares either. Okay, right? They're, they're far away, so you can't touch them anymore. All right, a couple more here. Every thought of defeat and failure, 
I take you captive now and utterly destroy you with a completed identity in Christ. Ooh, let's say that again. Every thought of defeat and failure, I take you captive now and utterly destroy you with a completed identity in Christ. Praise the Lord. 